0: You're now listening to The Co-op Podcast on thecoalition.com.
1: Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Gary A. Swaby, and you're now listening to the Co-op Podcast, episode 257. And Mr. Richard Bailey, he's, uh, well, he actually went to a wedding yesterday in Florida. So, you know, he's actually traveling back to Georgia right now as we speak. So big shouts to him. But I am here with Mr. J. James Lugo. How are you doing, J.J.?
0: I'm doing good, Gary. I'm back. I'm revitalized. I slept in today, so I'm all good. I'm ready to get on this.
1: Yeah, we haven't seen you in a while. Did you have a good birthday and everything?
0: Yes, I did. I mean, a lot of it also was the fallout from E3 because, again, E3 was a lot of work for me, Rich, Max. When we were out there, we posted up a lot of stories and stuff, so I needed some me time to kind of recover. But also, I had my 30th birthday, so I was pretty happy about that. I got myself a giant cookie cake, homemade. As well as a whole bunch of other cool little gits you know, there that were gaming themes. So it was pretty dope. I, I had a lot of fun. But now I'm back. I'm ready to smack some heads. Ready to drop some gaming news impressions on you and a whole bunch of other stuff.
1: Yep, let's get to smacking those heads. So, yeah, I'm also here with Miss Dana Abercrombie. How you doing, Dana?
2: Yay to bashed heads. I'm doing all right. Busy week. Excited to be here.
1: Good, good. So, yeah, um, as you guys know, it's a very slow time of year for, for gaming news. You know, E3 has already happened. You know, all the the, the blowout of news has already gone. So, you know, we're, we're, we're basically in the months where not much happens. There's not too many releases um, and there's not too many headlines floating around either. So, you know, we are going to improvise. We're going to talk about some... some Topics related to ethics in the gaming industry and you know we've got an evergreen discussion as our main discussion as well so yeah uh it should be fun we'll see how it goes but uh firstly let's talk about what we've been playing now i'll go first because i haven't played that much i've only played uh, overwatch Uh, i played it on both pc and playstation 4 this week I, i of course prefer pc but it was pretty fun playing it with uh, my friend Ramiz on PlayStation 4 because um, yeah, we, we don't really get to play much together so just playing Overwatch with him was fun and, and he's new to the game so it was cool like having him get into the game and everything and learn about it and see what it's all about, see what all the fuss is about, so that was cool um, I'm just awaiting for the, the new character Hammond to be officially released in the game because he is in the PTR But um, you know he He's not going to be in the main game Until maybe another week Maybe even this week coming up He might be put in um, I'm also anticipating The the uh, Overwatch League Finals Which are coming up too And I will be at the Grand Finals Which is pretty cool So looking forward to that But um, besides that I did play some Final Fantasy 7 too Just because you know Nostalgia and everything but um, nothing else really this week, so that's pretty much it for me. Uh, how about you, JJ? What have you been playing this week?
0: So I've been busy in my off time. You know, even though I'm resting, technically I'm still working, and I've been playing a lot of games. A lot of which are games that are going to be given reviews on the on the website very, very soon uh, because they all kind of came at the almost the exact same time. Funny enough, a lot of publishers have been sending games out like immediately after E3 because they know that people went to the show got all the like, big news out the way and now they can focus on their games which is kind of funny so they all come in bulk but uh, a couple of which I'm still under embargo that I can't really give impressions on, but I could say that I'm playing them right now. I'm actually playing Tempest Four Thousand from Atari that came a couple days ago. I'm also playing Shining Resonance Refrain that came from Sega. So within the next couple days, as of Tuesday onward, you guys are going to be able to get uh, was it reviews from me on the website, so you guys could look forward to that. Especially if you like JRPGs or even just classic retro games. Uh, besides that, there are other reviews that we have on the website right now, as well as also impressions that I've been playing. For big games that have been releasing on various platforms, including on um, PlayStation 4, we have Red Faction Guerrilla Remastered, which is a stupid name, I understand, it's a terrible name, it should just be called Remastered, but because it's on Mars, you know, you kind of get it, whatever, whoever was the PR person that thought about that, smack him in the face for me, that's all I'm saying, but... That actual review is up now on the website. Uh, you can check it out. If you played the original Red Faction Guerrilla, you have a lot of stuff that's going to be very familiar to you. It includes all the DLC and all the extra content and patches and stuff. But uh, it's just now presented in a much better fashion. There's improved lighting. There's improved little textures here and there throughout the game. Uh, if You never really played it before. The easiest way I can describe it is that it's Grand Theft Auto on Mars with futuristic weapons. That's basically... Really, the kind of gist of it. But again, a lot of it is a little bit dated, but it's still fun for a lot of people that are out there. And then finally, The other two games that I've been playing that are really cool because they came a little bit around the time of my birthday was Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy on Nintendo Switch. We have impressions of that now on the website that you guys could read up on. Uh, It's Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy. has all the DLC, all the extra content, all the extra levels, everything that was on the other consoles. It's there for you, but now it's portable with the Nintendo Switch. And again, I love Crash Bandicoot. I did the original review for us uh, a while back when the game came out last year and I still love it. I still think it's fun. I still think it's dope. Uh, Definitely check it out if you love Crash Bandicoot and you have an Nintendo switch and you want another good game to bring with you on the go. The other one that I got to check out, which is going to be getting some impressions probably in the next day or so, because I wanted to play more of it and kind of complete it was a Wolfenstein two on Nintendo switch. Now I got a chance to see this back at PAX East last year or no last year, earlier this year. And uh, it was really, really cool. But now I actually got the full game in my hand. I've been able to play it. It's pretty damn dope uh, for a game that's very big, that, that looks fantastic on the PlayStation 4, the Xbox One, and the PC. Uh, I think it looks fantastic on the Nintendo Switch. Now, there are some little things here and there that they had to compromise in order to make the game run really well on the Nintendo Switch, especially in portable mode. But overall, I'm still having a lot of fun with it. But I'll have more impressions about that very, very soon. So that's what I've been up to as of late.
1: Wow, that's a lot. That's, 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 you've been very busy during your time away, which is which is very good. So I'm sure you'll have lots to talk about. But um, yeah, that's pretty cool. How about you, Dana? What have you been playing this week? You're muted. I'm, mute.
2: I'm muted. Um, I got to attend the Red Bull Conquest Championships. They was having a qualifier over down in Brooklyn and so I've been watching a lot of that. They've been playing um, Tekken and also Street Fighter (laughs) 5. Just having fun. You know, it's a a great game to just let off some steam. And I've been watching them playing with championships and just been doing that.
1: Oh, cool. Do you have any interest in those games like Street Fighter? Well, see,
2: the thing is I grew up with Street Fighter. Like sure. that was the game that I was like, really allowed to play and I didn't have any problems with. So I really like it. And so to even watch the competition, watch, you know, during these championship matches, it was really fun. Kind of wish that you could start playing with them as well, but I'm not as skilled as they are. But at the end of the day, it's just all about having fun and is watching a lot of watching, you know, people with different strategies and how they come up with their things that they're doing. And I have a couple of interviews that is coming up on the site that I have with a lot of the organizers and a lot of the hosts and some players.
1: That sounds awesome. Um, yeah, because I've never actually been to like an, an esports event yet. Um, obviously, I'm going to the Overwatch thing, but um, that's always something that in it like intrigues me just seeing people play these games and master them on a professional level like where yes. they, they're able to do things that not the average gamer can do like that always kind of interests me so um, I would love to like watch more of that stuff I have seen a few uh, tournaments and stuff at E3 but um not like an entire event like that so but sounds pretty of cool
2: very passionate fans. yeah I can I can, imagine. A little crazy?
1: I can definitely imagine um, but yeah, is that all? Is that all you've been up to?
2: Uh, just that, and still trying to uh, play some Incredibles, which is incredibly bad.
1: <laughs> incredibly bad. Okay, what's incredibly. wrong with it?
2: It's just repetitive and boring, and it doesn't hold my interest.
1: Fair enough.
0: So which is yeah,
2: because I expected the game to be. Remember when Disney Infinity? remember how they had their own incredible storyline.
0: I remember that. I have the figures.
2: And so I kind of expected that. And plus Lego never does me wrong. But Lego is, I don't know what happened. They had an off day. <laughs> I'm, I just don't know. We, I mean, We all suffer that off day. But this was just, it broke my heart. It's not that great.
0: I'm curious to know what you're gonna feel like about that when some of the other Lego games from E3 come out, because I know they have Lego DC Villains coming out very oh, soon. That, that, uh, I,
2: uh, that can never do anything wrong. That's, that's <laughs> I don't care. It could be literally one minute.
0: Hello. Yeah, I think we lost her for a brief second. Are you there, okay. Dana? Yeah, I think it's okay. probably the internet connection. Yeah, but but yeah, I'm just I was just saying that I'd be curious to see. Uh, what her thoughts would be after that comes out, because there's very seldom you hear about bad LEGO games, because i played a majority of them, not all of them, but, like, the majority of them I enjoy playing, because they're very chill games and stuff, and that's what I got the same thing when I saw DC Villains during E3 and stuff, so I'm surprised to see that the LEGO Incredibles is kind of meh.
1: Yeah, it's a shame, because the the movie looks, like, really fun and stuff, and I'm sure there's a lot of people who are probably going to play the game just because of that, so it's a shame that, you know... Not many people are liking it. Definitely, but yeah, um, that's what we've been playing this week. So, I guess let's dive right into the topics. Uh, we have a lot of different eth- ethics to discuss in relation to uh, the the gaming industry and everything like that. So, um, let's get into the first one, which I'm going to ask Mr. Jake James Lugo to break down for me, because uh, you know he was at E3. Um, I believe he might have even seen. Uh, this game we're going to be talking about, but um, yeah, JJ, what, uh, please let everyone know what happened with Cyberpunk 20, uh, 2077 and, you know, the the person who decided to leak footage of it.
0: So, yeah. So one thing I want to clarify was that during E3, I did not get to go see the game. I I had the opportunity to, but because of the crazy schedule that we had while we were running around, it was me, Rich, and Max that went to E3 this year. Rich and Max actually got to see the presentation. They were there and they got to see the demo. They told me about it afterwards. They even got the statue that was being given out to everybody for cyberpunk. And it looks pretty dope, but they had nothing but great things to say about cyberpunk itself. Cause it was really that impressive. It's one of the few things that I said this year for E3 was an awesome surprise to see finally, you know, in the flesh, even though I wasn't there, but with that out of the way, the big thing that I wanted to discuss, and I feel like more people need to talk about this because this does concern, you know, the idea of covering games and what's ethically right and what's morally right. And what's, what's fair overall was between Sifted Games or Sifted Gaming, which is a, another YouTube channel slash media outlet that covers video games that that's run by Patreon and all this other stuff. So I have no ill will against them, but you know, just to set up, give you guys all the backstory and all the background info. But uh, one of the people that was part of that outlet uh, named Shane Satterfield actually got to go to the appointment for Cyberpunk 2077 with CD Projekt Red alongside many other journalists, many other influencers and content creators that were there covering E3 and covering Cyberpunk 2077 uh at the very start of the the presentation there from what the guys had told me when they went and from what a bunch of other people told me when they went to their own appointments what's up okay data you there we lost her (laughs) i thought that she was saying something because uh but anyway basically um they one of the first things that they were told when they went to the appointment was that you're not. They asked you nicely not to record anything, not to get any footage or any like you know stuff there while you're checking out the appointment, while you're checking out the game, and they're showing it off to you. Uh, now it should be understood that there was no NDA signed by anybody that went there. There was no type of agreements that were signed on paper know to to prevent people from doing so but it was still one of those things that you know appointments that i've been to and gary you've been to and dana as well where you've gone to like a behind closed doors presentation and they ask you politely not to get any sort of footage there you know you can still talk about the game like openly online and stuff but you can't show like video footage or audio or stuff like that and what ended up happening was shane satterfield actually just recorded everything on his uh, iphone he recorded audio uh of the actual event and cleaned it up quarter back after E3, clean it up. And uh, posted it up on YouTube. It basically leaked out the audio. It's, a lot of people say this isn't a leak, but it really is a leak. Especially when it wasn't supposed to get out there in the fashion that it did. And he was blunt about it. He was very, very open about it. Uh, of course, CD Projekt Red was upset. They strike down the video and the content that was out there. But by the time they already did so, uh, people already got it and passed it around. It's the internet. Things get passed around all the time very, very fast. Even if it's up there for a very short period of time, somebody could find it. And it got sent around. And obviously, you saw the headlines of CD Projekt Red's uh, Cyberpunk 2077 leak uh, the audio and like people that wanted impressions of the gameplay or what it was exactly that was shown during the Behind Closed Doors presentation. Now, the reason why this is noteworthy to discuss is because Shane afterwards went on his YouTube channel, on his, on his podcast and stuff with the rest of the people there and gave his reasoning for doing so. And it was a very condescending uh, line of reasoning, line of rationale uh, of for why he did so he tried to present this as doing real journalism, and personally for me, and I don't know about you guys, but I want to get your impressions in a second, that it was real journalism. For me, it wasn't. For me, it was something where You were blatantly asked to do not to do something, you know, there was putting trust in you not to do something and, you know, allow you to do your content afterwards in exchange for access, but you ended up doing it anyway. And I think that's ethically wrong. I think that's a problem. And it sets a bad example, in my personal opinion, for other people that are part of the industry or want to get into the industry, into the field of covering video games, you know, as media, as content creators, influencers, etc., because Shane Satterfield, for those of you that don't know who that is, he's an OG uh, person in games coverage where he used to work over at G4TV.com or G4TV, you know, the network and a couple other places before Sifted and and that's cool more power to you and stuff but i feel like when you're at that echelon you should know better you shouldn't have to do tactics like that which a lot of people consider underhanded and very below the belt you should be able to go up to the pr people that you claim to have such a good relationship with a good working relationship with and be able to go get exclusives by talking with them you know being open with them being able to get access to stuff like that but at the same time not abuse it and not take it for granted and not take it to a level where a lot of the trust it gets violated or trust gets broken down. But also your the, the level of character and the level of like, you know, uh uh different types of like, you know, I guess you could say credibility gets called into question because for for someone that's been in the game for so long, you shouldn't have to do something like that. And his rationale was that he wanted to get a leg up for Sifted. He wanted to get more attention on Sifted as an outlet, as a YouTube channel, in order to get more numbers, to get more credibility, get more exposure like that, which is totally true, and I can understand it. Again, he can't be sued or anything of the sort because he didn't sign an NDA, and nobody else signed an NDA. But it's very underhanded and very shady and very questionable. So that's just where I stand on the matter. But I'm curious where Gary where dana stands on the matter and obviously the chat you know i want to see where your guys thoughts are at with this
1: yeah um <clears throat> now I, I like from his perspective as being you know um a, a, a journalist who kind of wants to build an opportunity you know be an opportunist and break a story and you know um I, I can understand wanting to do that but at the same time when you get invited to see a game behind the scenes like like a cyberpunk um, you have to view that as a transaction kind of thing, kind of situation. It's like a business, you know, uh, transaction. So it's like they're inviting you into their space so that, you know, um, you can see what they're they're offering with their upcoming game. And they trust you to respect that. And, you know, obviously you can talk about it because people, everybody talks about, you know, playing the Cyberpunk on their podcasts and uh, E3 discussions and all that stuff. Um, And that should be good enough, you know, Um, so they do not expect you to record and leak something if they politely ask you to to do that, you know, um, after they've invited you into their space, then you should definitely respect that because that's going to definitely harm your future invitations that you get, you know, Um, and you, you might even get blacklisted from other companies who had nothing to do with this just because, you know, they don't want anything like that happening with their with whatever game they're showing behind closed doors so yeah from you know from a business perspective it was a bad move for sure um he definitely shouldn't have leaked it but i can understand you know fans and people have been waiting for more information on the game um i bet they really loved that it got out got out because um that's you know more information to digest about the game um that they're keeping from us and everything um and you know as somebody who's um ran a site kind of for like 10 years you know i can understand wanting to create that opportunity to build growth in your in your audience and everything like that but you have to go about it uh more tactfully and more respectfully so that you don't burn a future bridge you know so uh that's my thoughts on that but dana what do you think of the situation if you're back i am back oh, okay um
2: I see see two sides. Sorry. I see two... Sorry. I see two sides of the situation. Well, yes, we're in this world where, as journalists, you want to be very competitive, and you want to be the first one to get the information out, right? And I do kind of understand that way. But at the same time, by breaking those people's trust, you're not going to be invited to any other place for a while. So then that way... Congratulations, you got your one piece of information, but you ended up sacrificing many other chances that you, you could have had down in the future. So that is what the problem is from that. I see from that end. Also, from the company standpoint, they should have had an NDA. Anytime that you want to make sure that your footage is going to just stay within that room. You don't go by distrust or a handshake or, yeah, I won't do anything you signed the NDA and they really should have had that NDA available for everyone. And I really don't understand why they didn't. So moving forward, I hope that they get together their NDAs because this is not anything new. This is something that's going to happen repeatedly and by companies, big companies and small companies. They're going to find a way to get that information out there first by breaking that do not record anything Clause. So both parties, I feel, are equally guilty. But this guy, he screwed himself over, you know, more so because now he may not be invited to anything.
0: I, I want to add something to this that I feel like is very important because this is something that shane had said in his explanation or like when he was talking about it on their podcast uh he brought up a couple other names of other journalists and other media people that do break stories that do break uh info in this industry specifically being patrick kleptic uh, over at uh, waypoint as well as also jason schreier over Kotaku. which i think jason schreier is really the one that breaks real stories that the man has ninjas okay one day i'll talk about that on another podcast my point is is that that is two totally different things I don't think like what Shane Satterfield did w- is in the same vein or even in the same league that would Jason Jason and Patrick do and the reason being is because Jason and Patrick do a lot of investigative reporting and they get sources from people that are leaking information but they're not themselves getting access to that information by the company letting them through or letting them into certain places and them just breaking that trust or just leaking out the info when they're asked not to it's definitely not in the same vein it's it is understandable where somebody would make that comparison because again, they're getting that info from a source that technically is leaking info or breaking NDA, but that's not something caused by the person reporting the story. It's not some money, it's not something where the person is getting the info by like weird slash unethical means. You know, by going into some place, agreeing to do something, then doing the opposite of it, it's a completely different can of worms. And there's again, there's a lot of different arguments that could be made for that. And if anything, like I said, it's much more ethically acceptable because they're the ones going out and getting sources for people that want to speak out on certain stuff. What Shane did was the complete opposite, in my opinion. And I think also, like what Dana was saying, and I've heard a couple other people say, on various other different shows and podcasts, uh, specifically Jared Petty, he came out and said, like, that guy probably will never get invited to another private event again. And I don't begrudge anybody that gets like that and it's not because i have ill will towards shane or anything like that i don't know the dude it's just that how can anybody really blame any other company you know publisher or otherwise uh from not wanting to have someone like that at their event where they're trying to show off first impressions of a game or give information to the media where they feel like again they can have a little bit of a controlling message of the perception of whatever their game is going to be not that they're trying to control the media but like you know, you can't blame Cyberpunk. I mean, uh, C- CD Projekt Red for feeling a little bit pissed off because remember when The Witcher Three came out, everybody said that they revealed that game a little bit too early, and they admitted that because there were so many like bad impressions. I think at one point, and like th- there was a whole bunch of mixed messaging. So obviously, this was technically a reaction, I guess you could say, to that. But I also like with Dana. I believe after something like this, especially next year or whatever CD Projekt Red's next game or even other companies' games and future events, they're definitely going to be a lot more heavy-handed with NDAs. They're going to definitely be a lot more heavy-handed with who they allow to go cover these games and check them out because you can't blame them for wanting to prevent stuff like that from happening and not only changing up the perception of their games, but also uh, when it feels like someone that, that, that gets access to this stuff or someone that they're being kind of open and being, you know, putting a lot of trust in, or just being, you know, honest with that, they're going complete, to completely just flip the ball on them. And I think that kind of sucks for the company because it's not like they're trying to be facetious. They're not trying to be bad or anything, but it's like, again, if you invite somebody to your house. You're putting trust in them that they're not going to do anything stupid but if they go and they wreck up your house or if they go in and start acting brazy like that you're probably not going to invite them to your house anymore you're not going to want to associate with them anymore but the other thing also too like i mentioned beforehand but i want to reiterate i don't like when personally for me i don't like when certain people in the industry whether they have veteran status or when they are fairly new and stuff where they talk down to other different people that are part of the same field like obviously we're all colleagues and we're all you know comrades in some sort of way because we're all covering games we're all part of the same field and stuff but I think it's kind of messed up to take a moral high ground when not only you're clearly wrong but you want to down you want to downplay it and you want to kind of like condescend the rest of the people that went to that appointment or the rest of the people that have impressions or opinions about this which is playing out in the public eye I think that's not cool and for someone like Shane Satterfield again I, I said it before he should know better you know he should have a much more better understanding a much more better are more solid and stable head on his shoulders than what I'm seeing here with wow this story's playing out.
1: Yeah, and the thing is like this sort of thing could uh have an impact on, you know, other people like other media attending E3 because let's say for example now um a lot of companies start making it mandatory to, to uh, make everyone sign NDAs when whenever they're seeing something behind the scenes, you know? Like you said before, like, that's something we don't want to go through because it's already time-consuming going back and forth through the, the, the convention center and, you know, uh, making these appointments and everything. So, like, if you have to spend time filling out a form as well an NDA and everything, like, that's just only going to add to all the hassle, you know, having to cover all these games and stuff. So nobody wants that um and it's it's things like this that bring about certain uh guidelines that these companies have to adhere to so
0: i i want to add one thing there i don't think it's bad signing the ndas you know in my own personal experience because we've signed plenty of ndas when we're covering games and stuff and i don't think that in of itself is a bad process or a bad thing if anything it's just business and and it's again it's an agreement where you won't do something for in exchange for this type of access here, which really doing something being not opening up your big mouth when they reveal something early on. I think that's fine. What I think is, is the bigger issue and what really will be the fallout for events like this is not only the amount of people that get access to stuff, I think also the willingness of companies to be able to give do this type of thing, to have behind closed doors presentation, because can you really blame CD Projekt Red for not wanting to show off the game at the next big event, like at Gamescom or something, or, or not want to show the game or whatever their next game might be or any other company, whatever their big game might be at like E3 or something. If they just don't go to the event, or if they just don't show it, but they show it maybe at like the press conference and then that's it. You don't get to see anything afterwards. Like that's the type of stuff that I worry about and that's the type of stuff that I feel like is much more impactful to everybody. As a whole, the other thing too is that again, it it really fits back into the stereotype that people in games media are caught kind up, of, you know, backhanded or they do shady stuff and all this other kind of like crazy stereotypes and messed up things that people say online on the internet because they already have a bad impression of games media, games journalists and all this other stuff. This is the type of stuff that reinforces that, and it's messed up because not all people are like that. Again, it's one person that did this in a sea of all these other people that went to the same event and all these other people knew understood and knew not to do something like this and didn't see the value in breaking that type of relationship which by the way i think his relationship with cd project red is irreplicable I, I would not be surprised if that's the case but that's the type of stuff that i worry about personally
1: yeah yeah and i of course we have to sign ndas but usually like Cause I'm more used to having to do it when I'm reviewing a game early or previewing a game or I'm being sent some type of ass assets or game code or something like that. Like if you're at E3, it is kind of, it can kind of slow you down having to like, you know, fill in paperwork and all that stuff. So uh, that's my own point there. But yeah, um, I, I agree for the most part, but um, any final thoughts before we move on to the next topic?
0: Just one. Don't, don't be that guy. To, you know, and I say that to anybody and I know people that I went to that same event. They were very upset because, you know, seeing somebody do something like that again, it affects really everybody in, in essence that I, you know, the best thing to do is one, don't be a dick and two, don't be that guy. I think that, you know, a lot of respect, a lot of professional courtesy. You know, amongst all people in the industry, whether you're a YouTuber, whether you're a content creator, a games media person, or just someone that's just there, PR, wherever else, professional courtesy goes a long way for everybody. And I think that, you know, when you, when you take away the fact or take away the need for getting that 15 seconds of fame and that extra push like that, everybody could win and everybody could do amazing stuff. And you could still get ahead by not doing shady, underhanded, below the belt stuff like this. But that, again, that's my own personal opinion, not professional, my own personal opinion on the matter
1: indeed. Um, any final thoughts, Dana?
2: No, just the same thing that, that um, Jake said. Just JJ, You know, just be respectful and don't do this. I don't understand the, the purpose of this on both sides. Have NDA and also just don't ruin it for other people because this ruins it for other journalists as well because then they might not have certain opportunities because they're afraid that it might be leaked.
1: Yeah exactly yeah so um, the next topic we have you know is another question about ethics but this time around you know it's it's based on somebody who actually works within you know a a game publisher so basically what happened was uh, a Guild Wars 2 writer was fired after a Twitter argument so what happened was uh, Jessica Price um, she was creating a, a, a Twitter thread Um, expressing the difficulties of writing characters in MMOs uh, as opposed to writing characters in single-player games. So, you know, she thinks it's a a lot more difficult to create these characters and write them in uh, MMOs than in regular games. Um, And this YouTuber, um, I'm not sure how to pronounce this actually, but I think it's uh, Dario, Dario? something i think that's how you pronounce it so he's a Durrell. youtuber i
0: think it's Durell or Durrell. it's kind of like the the yeah. virtual fighter 5 boss Durrell.
1: <laughs> okay well yeah uh so he basically reached out to her um he replied to a twitter thread and he made a suggestion about branching out the dialogue options for the the, the mmo character you know to make them more uh you know uh, in depth and more complex and everything and jessica price reacted very negatively to the suggestion um she was pretty dickish about it um she said uh basically the tweet went like this so she said today in being a female game dev allow me a person who does not work with you to explain to you how to do your job so she's basically you know um painting the picture that this guy is trying to tell her how to do her job when he really just wanted to kind of give you know a suggestion on maybe something that, you know, they could think about in terms of writing the characters and everything. So um, people saw that and thought it was kind of, you know, Dickie kind of the wrong way for her to to go about the response and everything. And she was being unfair to the guy. And she actually ended up, you know, uh, losing her job. She had to apologize as well um, for the statement. Um, So, yeah, this raises a lot of questions about ethics and what's okay, what's acceptable, Uh, Because this is the digital age and, you know, um, people have so much access to developers, writers, uh, directors, you know, um, actors, celebrities, you name it. So what do you guys think of this situation? And I'm going to start with you, Dana, being that, you know, you're a female in the industry and everything. Uh, What's your thoughts on how she handled that situation? Was it right? Was it wrong? And what's acceptable
2: my whole thing that I have with the with the situation is that I don't understand why she made everything so public. You can easily send someone a text message or an email, and to make it public just kind of made her look even more wrong. And I do understand what she was trying to say. And there are many times when men try to tell women what their jobs are and do the whole mansplaining. But to make it public just seemed to be even worse. So that on her end was kind of wrong and she did come across as being, you know, uh not exactly taking the 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 news or the advice well. So I just I just think for her part she could have handled it a lot better. And even though she apologized and she apologized a second time, I just kind of felt that it wasn't sincere. You know, and I think that it was something like she was trying to get her job back. So That's
1: that's what I have to say about that Yeah Yeah I mean like My thing is like she could have easily Like if she was bothered by that you know Because the guy was just he was legit just trying to Suggest something but you know it's Twitter You can just ignore him you can not Read it not respond like you, you You're not obligated to respond to everything On Twitter like I've had people troll Me on Twitter and I just like don't respond I'm like okay cool I'm glad you feel that way and I just keep it moving, you know, like um, I think that would have been the best way to to handle it. You know, um, I mean, in general, I think if you are a creator or a writer of some sorts, you kind of have to have thick skin a little bit because people are always going to, you know, try to critique you um, and come at you about things. You know, like it's just part of what you do. Like people are always going to, you know, come at you because you're so accessible um, but, you know, if if these are things that do bother you, I think you just have to kind of like, you know, just not pay attention to it and just don't give people attention. You know, like, uh, but but I think in this guy's case, he was just, you know, he was being legit in wanting to um, suggest things that that could help. But uh, I guess she she just didn't see it that way.
2: I know. And it's weird thing is that people suggest all the time about, you know, things in games and what they should do. All the time, so I just don't understand what was her reasoning behind interacting with this person. Yeah. And we all say things, you know. Me, bring back, no mercy. That's not happening. But you don't see me having like Twitter wars and attacking people for that. I just don't understand the whole thing behind her reasoning.
1: Yeah. Uh, what's your thoughts on it, JJ?
0: There's a couple layers to this, and I think that a lot of this goes back to the environment that we're in right now, both on social media and just in the industry in general. The the one thing that that subreddit and even the story that we were looking at that that really talks about was that it may or the the writer. Uh, the, the woman that was in question here really made the whole issue about gender when the guy that was making the, the the statement on Twitter and the thread really wasn't getting caught up on that at all. And that's a problem that I see with a lot of different issues. Like, obviously, we, we're in a, a time when there's a lot of ethical questions about, you know, women in gaming, you know, the whole the roles and, and a lot of the other conversations that come with it all over the place. The problem is, is that for whatever reason now these days, it always becomes a super super hostile thing and gets into stuff that is probably outside of whatever the issue might be at hand. In this case, you know, they're talking about the writing of MMO characters and just making them a little bit more different or trying to make things a little bit better. Where in that whole conversation did it have to be about a guy quote unquote mansplaining to a a female dev or female writer in the industry? Because as many times as I read that response or that thread from that person, from that YouTuber, at all. I never got that whatsoever. And I think that, you know, some people, whether it's because they don't want to hear feedback, or they don't like the idea of being criticized for whatever their thoughts are on a public forum, like Twitter, like that, they want to go from zero to 60 immediately. And I think that's a huge problem. And it's become more of a huge problem when we get into some of the conversations like this, because we can't have intellectually honest conversations about stuff without somebody either getting offended or somebody getting really hostile on the matter, there was no reason for it to get to this point, and I don't have any sympathy for the two writers that were part of this thing. You know, whether it was the, the original writer uh, here, which was Jessica Price, or. Uh, her colleague that ended up getting let go from the company because two things. Number one, you there are consequences for your actions, especially in a public forum. And if you're representing a company, you know, talking about the stuff that the company does to people that are fans within the community of said company, I think that's a lot of the stuff that gets lost on people when they get into things like this that they don't really think before acting. Uh, I, I we were talking about this earlier before recording, and I was saying that a lot of that uh, list stuff that came from DC and Warner Brothers in relation to the DC universe. You know, of the DC movies and stuff they have a whole series of guidelines for people that get involved with those projects you know as far as interacting with people in on social media and interacting with the public and stuff and it's not rules or anything but it's guidelines to help you kind of like navigate these types of waters and really at the core of it is that no matter what, You're a public figure. You're in a public forum. People are following your stuff. You have to accept the fact that they're going to have opinions and criticism or whatever else thoughts on the work that you do. But you don't necessarily need and you shouldn't get super hostile to the point where you're combating them on social media. That's what I see right here. And, you know. Oh, honestly, she put herself in that position. The the easiest thing that one could have done in something like this, which is always the easiest solution to any of the, uh, of the issues that pop up like this, is to not respond or to block. If she really had a problem with that guy really giving suggestions, which is really what they were, but if she felt like she was being attacked or her work was being attacked or she felt a certain way about it, why not just block the individual? Like, why not just you know mute them? Those are what those tools are there for. The other thing too is that uh, what I don't like is how the the other person that ended up getting let go Uh, ended up taking shots and making uh, statements about the whole situation, which really didn't help the whole thing at all. It really just added more fuel to the fire. And I feel like that in of itself is a whole other issue, a whole other layer to this matter. Because when you see something like that, if if your colleagues at a company and you see things like going south for whatever reason, especially if it's not so crazy where the other people are not setting death threats to people, you know what I mean? I don't think you should really kind of put your, get, be so quick to put yourself into that situation. Because look what ended up happening: both people ended up getting let go from the company, and the company had to make a statement. And I think it sucks for the company themselves. You know, for for the the, the, the publisher or the developers of Guild Wars, um, it itself really it puts them in a really weird position because how do they respond to something like this? Because those two actions, which they might be just representative of those individuals, are now being used to represent the entire company as a whole, even though people might have had nothing to do with it you know arena might have had nothing to do with it at all but everybody's going to have those impressions and those are going to be the headlines in other different places and it kind of sucks all around all because a few people just either didn't think or because they just didn't understand that this is social media this is a public forum and that you have to be the bigger individual in situations like this but that's just my thoughts on the matter. I think it's all the biggest part, though, is that it's a product of, of our time, and it's just the hostile nature of certain conversations being had, or the ser- hostile nature of certain reactions from people uh, in relation to certain conversations being had right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, like, do you think Arena Net handled it like you know um, how you would expect them to? Like, because uh, some people like criticize this where like um arena net probably should have stuck up for you know their writer a bit more like in, in the situation and not fired them and stuff like that so like no, you know... no
0: no i think they handled it perfectly fine and that logic to me is flawed because their writers were totally in the wrong like when you go and you read that actual twitter thread about what that youtuber put on there that wasn't anything attacking the the character or anything of the sort of that particular writer. You know, it wasn't attacking her at all. And she was totally in the wrong. She took it to a place where it didn't need to go to, and it was clear as day. And the fact is, also, she retweeted and kept going. I think that's where ArenaNet. You know, found themselves in a position where I feel like they responded the best way that they could, because if you have someone that's being kind of insubordinate and it's someone that's clearly, you know, not following the guidelines that you might have internally, because obviously I don't think we know internally what it's like for them to interact with different people on social media and the community and stuff. But if that was the case, I mean, how else do you really expect them to respond? I mean, because then the conversation—if they would have stuck up for them, you know, knowing this and everybody could clearly see it on a public forum—then it would have been like, "Oh, uh, ArenaNet is going up against fans in their community, you know, or they're—they're they're not for making games or not for actually uh, having a good relationship with those that are within their community." That would have been the conversation afterwards, and I don't think that they wanted to be part of that, you know, let alone any of this type of stuff. So it kind of sucks for them. They—they're they're in a lose-lose situation. Do so they either? what is it catered to the community which buys their games or do they cater to these few writers that are being brazy on twitter and i think personally for me i think they made the right decision or at least the one that made the most sense for that time
1: yeah i, I definitely agree i feel like they went about it the right way um for sure um and i think this is a lesson to you know anyone who's in you know part of a team a uh, company or a bigger company um you know i, I think you should definitely monitor how you uh, respond to people you know especially people who are consuming the products that your, your company is putting out and everything like that you need to you know be wary of how you, you uh, conduct yourselves you know in in matters of critiquing and feedback and things of that nature so I think either don't respond to it or you know just uh, be respectful you know about it and I think th- that respect needs to be on both sides too because you do have um, people on you know the other side, like gamers or whatever who will uh, they'll they'll be dicks too you know they'll try to uh, give you uh, criticism but in in a foul way you know and they'll be disrespectful about it. so that respect has to be there on both sides um, and in this case, the, the you know the, it clearly wasn't respectful on the end of the writer. so yeah, I think arena net handled it the right way. Uh, But any final thoughts on that topic before we move on? No, I'm good. Cool. Um, So, yeah, uh, please explain this this whole Twitch stream of controversy, um, because I know Polygon put up an article about this, but, um, you know, I didn't actually get to check it out. So uh, let me know a bit about this, JJ.
0: So I'm going to have to look up right now really quickly, like the exact names and stuff, but to kind of give you guys uh, a clear overview of like what's been going on. And then, you know, as we discuss, I'll give you the exact info. But basically, there's been a lot of discussion now about Twitch and, and, and certain streamers on the platform, and you're seeing a lot of different articles specifically from Polygon. That are coming out and having conversations about, okay, is it really where the community is kind of being or the Twitch community specifically and the audience is really being kind of facetious and really against a lot of these types of streamers, which a lot of people call them thoughts or Twitch thoughts which is basically just women that stream on online on Twitch and playing video games. But a lot of their content, a lot of the focus is on their sexuality. There's a lot of uh, on their outfits, on, on them revealing themselves a little bit to an extent, you know, without being within the realm of porn and stuff. But like they're playing video games, but just using their bodies and using their looks in order to get attention and also specifically money. And a lot of that, a lot of people have a very opinionated stance on it on both sides. Some are against it, some are for it. You know for many different reasons but one of the things that i saw and what a lot of the conversation that's been coming up is that a lot of outlets you know polygon and a few other places seem to be defending the practice or at least the idea of people being quote-unquote twitch thoughts or you know people women that are on there using their bodies for whatever profit uh when it comes to playing video games and stuff now while in of itself it's not anything like too too bad like there are twitch guidelines that are being put out that are out there now that uh, kind of really get into the idea of like okay you're not supposed to have overly sexualized content when you're playing games like that or or really kind of like you know much more adults only type of content is not really allowed on twitch and stuff and i understand that argument stuff but really in essence it's still people that are still just playing video games they're just putting whatever twist on it in order to get attention in order to get uh, eyes on their actual content and stuff but really you know, the conversation that I really want to focus on is like, is it really okay or is it really right for a lot of outlets to really kind of defend this type of practice or really say that it's really the audience kind of being against quote unquote, against women or against people that are doing stuff like this when they're really just trying to make their content out there? Is it really kind of like ethically right to do that? I mean, again, I don't know if you guys really got to read the article that I saw on Polygon, which was defending a few of them. And again, I'll get the names in just a second. But to me, it's like this has been a conversation that's been lingering around for quite some time. Like I want to say over the last couple of years since Twitch has really become a thing, you know, outside of YouTube. And you can even throw YouTube in the, into the mix there because obviously, no matter what entertainment medium, sex sells and it gets a lot of attention. And clearly there's a lot of different individuals out there that have seemed to utilize that well in order to generate big audiences like that. But again, a lot of people have different opinions on stuff, but I'm curious where you guys are on the matter.
1: Wait, so is the issue that um, some people think it's wrong that, uh, you know, these uh, gamer girls are on Twitch and, you know, kind of, uh, you know, exposing themselves a little bit to try and... gain? That's
0: one part of it. That's one part of it. The other part, which I think is really kind of pertains more to the article, is that is it really right for outlets to come out and say that, you know, it's the audience, you know, openly attacking these types of individuals or openly trying to make sure that they, they write articles to defend them. You know, for, again, like some of the different names escape me right now, but like CERN, CERN, you'll see articles come out as be like, oh, such and such is uh doing whatever types of stream and she's standing up against hateful bigoted individuals and stuff like you see articles like that come out a lot you know not just from polygon but in a bunch of other places as well and the narrative becomes that it's the audience against women streamers trying to just make a living that's really what how they try to spin the article or try to spin the whole situation like that is it really right for for places to do stuff like that or is that really the big issue at hand or is it something completely different
1: um i mean i i think there is uh It is. It can be seen as pandering, depending how it's done. Um, Of of course, every case is probably unique and different in its own way, depending on what the you know the person writing the article.
0: Sorry, I got the name for you. It's actually Amarath. Uh, is the name that the Polygon article was actually written about, and the the whole thing that they tried to spin it was that it's is the reaction to these types of individuals is that considered harassment, or is that like the big issue here is where it's harassment of these individuals that are making this type of content?
1: Okay, so they're basically saying like, are they harassed like because you know people? Uh, criticize them for what they do is that what they're trying to or
0: because well they're trying to spin it either like that or they're trying to spin it because they're women that all of a sudden the audience is reacting because they're they're against women being on the platform or being in in games and stuff like that that's really what they're trying to spin it like
1: okay well yeah there's uh two ways uh because i mean everybody's free to do what they want you know twitch is an open platform you know so if if women want to get on there and do you know uh they want to uh, be expl- explicitly dressed or whatever, like, you know, that that's them, that's what they do, and they have their own audience that follows and supports that, so I don't think it's right to judge that if somebody does want to do that because as long as that streamer is within the guidelines of the, the Twitch platform, they're technically not doing anything wrong, they're just building their audience they're staying in that lane and they're doing their own thing, now you can make your own personal judgments about what they're doing but... You know, um, I don't think it's right to try and um, out them or on a public level or, you know, to try and, uh, you know, um, send hate their way or anything like that. Because that they basically that's just hating, you know, like it's not wrong to hate on them for it. It's just you don't have to subscribe to it. You know, you don't have to view it. You you can view something else like, you know, so I, I, ju- I just feel like it's. it's a senseless argument to me because it's like just let them do what they do and uh, focus on what you like and um, for as for the media the media always has a big responsibility because they can sway a narrative and you know every article has its own agenda behind it kind of somewhat so um you know it, it really depends on what the motivation behind it is now in this case it seems like uh, polygon was trying to you know defend the the streamers rights and say that you know um it's not right to kind of uh you know harass them and attack them for what they do and everything and in that regards i agree because it's like let them do them you know um y- y- y-
0: you know something though, Gary, and where I get caught up on it, even though I really don't care what a person does for their contest of you know, do you at the end of the day, what I really get caught up on and I find a little bit uh, uh, disingenuous is that different outlets, whether it's Polygon or otherwise, when they write about stuff like this or when writers kind of put their opinions about it and talk about these subjects, they try to make it out like the entire platform is against these types of individuals, whether it's against women, whether it's against quote unquote Twitch thoughts or whatever it else it wants to be. They try to make it like the, the, the vast majority of people. People that are out there are doing like this massive hate mob or massive groups of like, you know, stances against these types of people. And I find that to be disingenuous because a lot of the people that I see, you know, whenever the conversation comes up, a lot of people don't really care. Like, I, I think that the majority of people are like, "Yo, that is kind of, you know, weird. and It gets into a lot of gray area. But I don't think it's like they're actively against whatever this individual is out there, even when you get it to talk about money, because a lot of the focus in that Polygon article is really talking about money where. They're again using the body for attention in order to get uh, different people to donate like thousands of dollars to a specific individual like you'll see YouTube videos of people putting stuff out there like that where you'll see people get donations of like $30,000 on a stream, you know, to some random female streamer who's being like that and stuff. And I think that that gets to a whole other debate and argument and stuff. But I, I just don't like it for me personally where I see like the outlets try to paint this like really broad picture of like this audience that just is like this massive hate mob against this type of streamer or this type of content creator.
1: Okay. Yeah. So with that extra layer of context there that you uh, added, um, I do believe that, you know, uh, and that's why I said it depends on the agenda of the article because there is, there is pandering. And um, if, if they're trying to convey that everybody is attacking the person when clearly they're not, and they're just trying to create this narrative, then that is definitely called pandering. And you know, we live in um, a time where you know um, people are very conscious about feminism and you know things of this nature, and there are outlets like that who will who that will try to use that to their advantage and pander, you know, to uh, to to these movements. And that creates, it just adds a lot of fuel to the fire and it creates unnecessary drama. So in that case, yes, if if the article was pandering, I am against that because it's like, you know, um, if it's not a huge problem, then just let it be what it is um, at the end of the day until an actual situation arises that you can cover, you know. And also you're kind of taking attention away from other things going on in the gaming industry you know um and perhaps it's because it's a slow time right now why they did this but um there's still always more that could be discussed in terms of video gaming so
0: I think it becomes tough, like really to discern which is which like that, you know, whether it's pandering or if it's like actually trying to have a conversation. But I think now more often than not within the last couple of years, that's become a lot harder to do with a lot of stories that come out, especially in the wake of like all the different hashtags and all the other crazy uh, conversations that have come up. But again, we we live in a, in a very hostile time on social media when it comes to certain topics. And I think that is where people start to become fed up because they always feel like they're being forced a certain type of like whether it's an agenda or a certain type of perspective on certain things rather than just being informed when it comes to articles that are reporting on stuff like this like again personally for me i don't care about this type of content that's out there and i feel like you're always going to have that no matter what type of medium or entertainment section you're going to be in and stuff but i I think it's wrong to really kind of point the finger at a massive audience when when the majority of people i don't think feel like that
1: Yeah yeah, exactly um, Dana do you have any thoughts on the subject
2: Um no basically this just seems To be a, it, This is a very Unfortunate situation on both sides I mean I feel that The reason why she's getting these, these attacks Is yes because she's a female And that tends to happen everywhere Even on podcasts Um And by You know, Polygon and other news sources bringing this to light. Yes, it does shed light on what women have to go through and what they face, but also at the same time, it does cause more harassment for her. And the people that I know are upset because she's making more money and she's getting a lot of sponsorship because, in their mindset, she's single and she's you know she's dressing up a certain way and so it creates this type of fantasy for them and when they found out I know it was an incident when they found out about her relationship status and that she lied about it that it created even more harassment and this is something that women kind of go through on the daily and the thing with Polygon you know it's it's one of those situations where you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't um so I, I really just don't know I really don't know what what she can do in the future and what polygon should do. I mean they are at the end of the day they're, they're reporting what's going on and they're pro- reporting that women are being harassed, especially this woman here. and there are other women that are being harassed by big by big time uh, twitch streamers and YouTube streamers as well. Um, but it's just one of those situations I don't think that there is a, a win inside. this there's, is there's really there's no positive way out of this.
1: yeah yeah i mean uh it, it's it's a it's a touchy subject and I, I feel like there's bigger narratives that should be addressed in the industry before this because twitch is a very like it's you know it's a it's an open source platform you're free to do whatever you want create whatever content you want you run your own channel you can ban people you know if you wish to so it's like you know what what exactly is the narrative that they're trying to create by putting out this article here you know because uh, I don't see, you know, I mean, I haven't experienced personally, like, you know, uh, Twitch women, you know, being attacked and everything like that, but uh, I'm pretty sure it does go on. But yeah, I mean, until we actually get to analyze a case of this, um, it's hard to really, you know, uh, it's hard to really d- discuss it from my point of view. Um, so yeah, I mean, it just depends on the narrative that just, they're trying to create because it it, it it can be seen as pandering a lot. But um, any final thoughts on that before we move on to the entertainment segment, which I'm looking forward to? No final thoughts.
0: No, I'm good. I, again I I think that this is always gonna be a thing that comes up at some point, but I don't think a lot of people are really gonna ever agree on the matter. I think it's always gonna be hostile.
1: Yeah. Yeah, issues like this are always gonna be prevalent in the industry, unfortunately. Cause I, I miss the days where we only have to worry about, you know, games and when they're coming out and, you know, what people think of them, but nowadays in this digital age there's just so much going on that you know we have to pay attention to and it's like it, it seems really pointless to me but but yeah so let's jump right into the the entertainment news for this week so dana which topics do you have for us today
2: all right i have a couple i'm gonna go through them really quickly because here's the big main one so really quickly we have um uh, we're getting a spinoff. Those who don't know, we're getting the, the Men in Black spinoff. Um, Sony is going to do it. They added four new cast members: uh, Kumal Ninjab, he's from Silicon Valley; Rafe Spall, he's from Life of Pi. He was the, the Indian guy from Life of Pi. Um, also, it seems that we're not getting a sequel or even a prequel. What we're getting is more like a continue... We're getting something that's in the same universe. Okay, so Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones will not be in the movie at all. Um, This was... Remember, it was supposed to be the uh, 21 Jump Street crossover with the Men in Black 3. But Jonah Hill was like, oh, it's too complicated. So they completely dropped that idea. And so we're getting this instead. The new Men in Black film, which is untitled, will be directed by F. Gary Gray, who did Straight out of Compton. Wait, and F. Gary. F. Gary Gray.
1: Oh,
0: <laughs> Gary. He, he thought he thought he thought you were talking brazy for a second. No, no,
2: no. no. Uh, what? Ha- what? It, basically, it's going to take place in the same universe, so it's going to expand on all of the aliens that we were introduced to during the so that should be interesting if anyone cares about that also uh we're having as you know we're getting the aquaman thing that's coming out really soon however one of the actors yaha abdul manti the second and sarah vickers from aquaman they have joined the cast of watchmen watchmen is now going to be a pilot for hbo um what they did say is that it's going to be 12 um Uh, episodes and that we can expect a whole new story with new faces so we're not getting basically the Watchmen movie the series we're getting a whole new adaptation so yay and it's gonna remix all of the ideas that were in the previous comic books and the cast already is jeremy irons Regina King, Don Johnson, Louis Gossip Jr., Tim Blake Nelson, um, Andrew Howard, Francis Fisher, and Jacob Mintrant, and Tom Minson. So if you know who any of those are, yay, we're getting those. Also, we finally have a premiere date for The Gifted Season 2. Remember, that was the X-Men spinoff. that did really well on Fox. It's coming back on Tuesday, September 25th. And along with the premiere date, you guys can check online. There's a lot of character posters, and it's supposed to be really nice. But they didn't really go into detail as to what's going to happen in the second season. A lot of things is in a lot of secrecy, but we're going to get more of the Mutant Underground. And those who watched previously, remember, they're divided on the aftermath of the season finale. But they're going to have new characters, and they also have a new showrunner. And we're going to get the Morlocks, the Morlocks on the show. So, anyone's happy for that? Yay. American Horror Story, um, we're having a new season. Those who don't know, it's going to be a crossover between Murder House, which was season one, and Coven, which was season three. The eighth season will debut on September 12th on FX. They have not released any details whatsoever aside from it takes place in the future, and it may or may not involve aliens. So, if you're into aliens and the weirdness of Ryan Murphy, that's good for you. Now, the big news is we are getting a new DC Universe streaming service. Now, it's not just a streaming service like you see Netflix where you're going to have the TV shows of, you know, any of the DC stuff or even the movies. What it does is it's going to combine all of the comics. So, you're getting movie, TV show, and comics. And it's going to be digital. So you got your iPad, your iPhone, your Android. And you can look up and read all of the digital comics that they have in their storage. Um, basically, what they said is that it, they're going to create, it's going to slowly roll out. So you're not going to get all of the comic books right now. It's going to be a slow rollout of stuff. And they're going to go within the back catalog and work their way up. So you're gonna get a lot of the comics from the 30s, and the 40s, and the 60s, and then you know, there as it keeps rolling out throughout the months, it'll be more updated. So those who are excited about that, yay! They have not released a price though. That's the one thing that we're waiting for. But they did say that we're gonna get um, Batman the Animated Series, a recut, a remastered cut of Linda Carter's Wonder Woman, all of the Christopher Reeves films all the superman films that he did um we're gonna get titans which you guys know it's a new tv show that looks like really crappy we're getting titans we're getting doom patrol and we're gonna get also swamp thing which is gonna be really interesting how they do it um also cyborg many people are like well we're cyborg because he's not in titans but Titan- but he will be in doom patrol so anyone who's excited for that, yay. Doom Patrol is going to also have Robot Man, Negative Man, Woman, Crazy Jane, Dr. Niles. And they're going to all come together. And, and it seems like Cyborg is the one that's going to be the leader this time. So anyone's excited about that. Swamp Thing is also going to be very dark. I'm just going to follow... A bunch of heroines as they travel to Louisiana to investigate a strange swamp born virus, only to discover there's more magic and danger in the bayou than could have ever been realized. So, those who are excited, we were getting that. And then, on top of that, we're going to get um, the Harley Quinn animated adult cartoon. So this is mature. It's not meant for your kids. There's going to be a lot of violence, a lot of sexual activities that's going to go on. You're going to keep up with the same kind of humor. But this they're, they're saying it's not going to involve, you know, it's not for your kids at all. So anyone who's excited for that, I think that's like the one thing that I'm excited for. Also, it will be available. The, the DC Universe is going to be available on iOS, Android, Roku. Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, and Android TV, as well as through the service website. So, anyone who's looking to play on their PlayStation, the watch on their PlayStation or their Xbox, you're not getting that right now. You're not going to get that. But the original series, I'm going to just break it down really quick because it's it's the list that they finally released. So, the original series (coughs) is Titans. That is a live action. Doom Patrol is going to be animated. Swamp Thing animated, Young Justice Outsiders animated, Harley Quinn again animated, and what they said with Swamp Thing is gonna it's gonna be like a weird hybrid of animated with uh, live action. Now the classic movies and TV shows right now that's gonna be the first thing that rolls out is gonna be Superman one through four, Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, Batman Ninja, which I knew a lot of people didn't like, Birds of Prey, The Flash 1990 version. So all of the current CW shows, they're going to stay on the CW. They're not going to be involved in this service. We're getting Teen Titans, Super Friends, Legion of Superheroes, Young Justice, Static Shock, Lois and Clark, Constantine, the 2014 one. So remember that, that TV show that didn't last really long because NBC sucks and they canceled it? We're getting that one. The Adventures of Superman, Max Fletcher's Superman serials, Uh, Superboy, Batman the Animated Series, Wonder Woman 77. For the animated movies, we're getting All-Star Batman, Batman vs. Robin, Batman Year One, Batman Beyond the Return of the Joker, Green Lantern First Flight, Gotham by Gaslight, uh, Justice League Doom, Justice League vs. Team Titans, Superman Doomsday, Wonder Woman. The comic book series are 52 from the 2006 run. Action Comics, the 1938 run, The Adventure Comics, 1958 run, Aquaman, 2011, Batman, 2002, Cyborg, 2015, Deathstroke, 2014, Detective Comics, 1939, Green Arrow, Year One, 2007, Green Lantern, 2011, Harley Quinn, 2013, JLA, 1997, Justice League, 2011, My Greatest Adventures, 1963, Suicide Squad, 2011. Batman, Superman, 2004, Swamp Thing, 1972, Team Titans, 1967, The Flash, 2011, and Wonder Woman, 2011. So that is everything so far, which doesn't sound as bad as originally thought it would be, but we still don't have a price. We need a price.
0: I hope it's not expensive because this could do a lot of good for, for DC entertainment in general. I think also they're doing themselves a huge disservice by not, by setting themselves up not to cross over with young, with a teen Titans between the other CW shows, because I feel like a lot of those live action series should have the potential to cross over with each other because people want that. And I think that it would work in their favor to do so, because that's the best part. If you look at a lot of the big crossover events for the CW shows, those are always big, uh, big deals.
2: All right. And also, for those who care about high def, it's going to be in high def. It's going to be, you know, you, just, you can watch it on your special 4K thing. They're re- remember, I said they're re- going to remaster the Batman animated series. So it's going to be in high definition. So it's going to be that is going to be launch day. They want that to be their main thing. And we still don't have a date on when it's going to roll out. But when it does, that's going to be, you know, that's their selling point is Batman animated series. And so is Linda carter's wonder woman that's day one as well
1: so like would you say this the cw is basically their mcu where like all these characters kind of like are in the same universe and crossover and stuff like that
2: i i think they get the same treatment as marvel does with remember their tv shows and their movies don't interact at all right but their tv shows interact with each other but in terms of the streaming service, I think that they're gonna view that as a whole separate universe.
1: Yeah, it, it, I mean, it could have potential. I mean see but seeing some of the the, the stuff we've seen, the the behind the scenes uh, images and stuff, um, it doesn't look good production wise, but like it, it the idea of it has potential. So I, I think if they can nail it and get it right, this could be definitely be good for them.
2: Yeah, it can be, and I think so because what they're trying to do with this uni- with the DC Universe streaming service is they're trying to create their own separate thing. So they're gonna have they announced they will have crossover. So you know how that we get Arrowverse on CW, they're gonna have I don't know what you would call it DC crossover, but they're gonna have their own crossover thing. Like for example, they did announce that. Um, Doom that um, Titans is gonna have a spinoff, which ends up being Doom Patrol. So
0: I I think they're doing a huge disservice. Like they have so much going for themselves now on uh what is it on the CW side of things with the with that whole DC universe set up. That man, they they really need to come up with a better idea as far as like putting them all together and making them connected.
2: But they're not. But the thing is that they're separate though. So how is it a disservice? I mean, I mean, you get creating. It's gonna be technically you're looking at three separate universes because you have what's going on in the movies.
0: But that's that's my point. That's my point, though, because they have three separate things going on at that point. Like, why not connect them a little bit more? So, like, kind of like what Marvel does, where at the most you have two things going on with Marvel—you have the movies and you have the Netflix stuff—and I feel like you know with DC. Uh, they have such potential, especially with all the multiverse types of stuff, to have cool amazing crossovers where things could be a little bit more consistent that people could follow that it becomes way too much when you're having all these different things, because I don't think a lot of people are all going to jump on this, especially now that we still don't know the price point for the streaming service, I feel like people are still gonna be headsticked Because keep in mind, these are the same people that are probably already have a Netflix account. They probably have other accounts as well besides cable TV and stuff online. Like there's a lot of different factors where I feel like it's setting themselves up for a little bit more of a disappointment than of giving themselves a W. Like I, I just feel like again, it would be more beneficial to them to find different ways to connect everything a little bit much more easier.
2: I mean yeah. Yeah, and you know, but um they did there were rumors that the service is only going to be around nine ninety nine to ten dollars. Those are rumors, though.
0: So uh, that, I'm still suspect of that because again, even though it's, it's the same thing as like a Netflix account and a little bit cheaper than like an HBO Go account and stuff. Again, that's a whole other service that people still have to commit to. Yeah, again, uh, the diehard DC guys are going to be in on this. I get it. And that's totally cool, but again, I, I feel like there's some other stuff maybe that they should try to figure out or try to do to make it a little bit more easier or at least get it into more people's uh, consciousness. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. Did, did you have any other entertainment topics?
2: Well, those who don't know, remember we're going to get um, the Captain Marvel movie. Remember, it's going to take place in the 90s. Now, we've seen a lot of them digitally age or digitally make young the actors such as michael douglas and we had michelle pfeiffer and others they're going to de-age samuel jackson 25 years so they've been working on the technology to make it consistent for the entire movie
1: so he's gonna look like pulp fiction
2: Uh, basically it's gonna kind of look like pulp fiction or maybe was it die hard with a vengeance wasn't that like 25 years ago uh
1: i hope they keep the afro that would be cool but yeah um that he'll
2: have eyes. Remember, he's uh, his hands, his eyes. So, no patch.
1: Yeah, that that should be interesting to see how they how they handle I that. Know. But um, also um, you guys heard about uh, Idris Elba being casted in the the uh, Fast and Furious spinoff movie, right? So it's going to be the Rock versus Idris. I think yes. I think that's going to be pretty awesome in terms of you know those two actors going at it on screen. I that should be
2: fun it's nice to see him do that yeah. even though he's the other franchise he was in because he complained about it too much so we'll see how he does in this one
1: I'm sure he'll be be killed off like Idris Elber is killed off in like almost every movie he's in so
2: it's unappreciative but yeah he's he's gonna play the villain in this as well so that should be fun and also Carrie Russell is going to join Star Wars episode nine which is coming December 20th, 2019. And they started filming Birds of Prey. Birds of Prey is basically the all-female villain version uh that DC is doing with um uh the woman who played
0: Margaret Margot, oh Robbie. Margot Harley Quinn
2: Robbie.
0: yeah Harley yeah, Quinn Mar- and
2: Margaret Robbie. Mar- Quinn, that's gonna start in January so that should be really fun
0: I'm still suspect of that honestly I'm still very very Ooh. suspect I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it like, like all the other projects, and stuff. but again, that that that's another project where I'm still a little bit worried.
2: Like, I'm gonna watch it, but I just I don't know. And uh, um, Keanu Reeves is in talks to do John Wick three.
1: Uh, well, yeah, that, they should definitely
0: do it, John Wick. 3. They're they're already doing it because it has a it has a title already.
2: Well, yeah, it's well, it was working on the contract negotiations.
0: Oh, okay, that makes sense.
2: So, yeah, and Nicholas Cage is going to be in Spider Man into the universe, well, Spider Verse.
0: Yeah, he's playing he's playing the Norse Spider-Man, which is pretty kind of interesting.
2: It's gonna be pretty interesting. I saw like a good chunk of the movie. Sony did like this huge preview thing. And when I say it's amazing, it's amazing. I just sat there and just cried. The animation is just gorgeous. And the voice acting so far though was the what they got is it feels just everything feels so natural.
0: And I, I have a the characters about that. I have a question about that. Maybe you would know better than me, Dana. It's that not too long ago, didn't the director go on like a thing on Twitter that people were really pointing at not too long ago? There there was like something where he was like really like wilding out on Twitter that people were calling into question like, okay, what is going to be the response uh, to people going to go see Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse at this point? Like, do you know, do you guys know what I'm talking about? It was like, it was like over a week ago.
2: Oh, no, these are the, are you sure? Because I know that this is Phil Lord and Christopher Miller.
0: Okay, the thing I'm talking about again, I don't have it in front of me, but there was either the director or, or the EP of Spider Man Into the Spider Verse uh, went into like some type of tirade on Twitter about some random stuff that really rubbed people the wrong way. And it, there was a bunch of articles that were coming out asking, like, okay, is this like little thing that he just did going to affect the response to the movie when it finally comes out? Because I saw a lot of people saying, like, oh, because of this type of thing, I'm going to be a little bit more cautious or back away from seeing the movie completely. Like, it was a really, really nasty bunch of stuff that he went on at some point like again i don't have the specifics in front of me but i know it was like some time ago a little bit more than a week ago that 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 came up
2: i hope i hope not because it's a really gorgeous movie and everyone should see it It
0: looks dope like seeing the trailer i was saying to myself like okay this looks like a really cool concept for spider-man movie and it's different from what we're getting in the live action movie so i'm all down for it but it was like i remember seeing that and people were calling that into question
2: no, I I haven't heard anything, but I I hope it doesn't affect it.
0: Uh, I'm, gonna look for the, I'm gonna look for the articles so that way. You can check it out later, so that way you can see what it's talking about.
2: No, the only issue that I can only see people having an issue with is that it's mom Morales, but there are other Spider Mans because it's Spider Verse. And so the only like thing that I heard was like, oh no, it's the Black Spider Man, they're taking over. But other than that, no. haven't
1: heard anything cool i'll definitely be looking out for that because i heard good things about it i remember you talking about it when you first went to see it so
2: it's so amazing i just sat there and was just like the animation the script and these are like two nerdy white guys and they got exactly what it's like to live in in new york city they got the dialect of how you know african americans and puerto ricans speak and they made it really funny. These are the same guys that did the that did the Lego Movie, so they know what they're doing. They just really embraced the whole comics, and, and it is so far. I'm telling you, it looks really great. And also, one thing: uh, we are getting the ch- okay. Remember Child's Play? Remember Chucky?
1: Oh yeah, I used to love those.
2: Oh, that. that's like my childhood. We are getting not one, but two Chucky's. Here's the thing. We're getting Chow's Play, the series. So it's going to be the the TV series. And then we are getting another Chucky movie that is the continuation from Cult of Chucky. Now, this is the one that introduced her daughter. Remember, those who want to know or don't really care, she was possessed by... The Cult of Chucky, it was ended up being people are possessed by the spirit of Chucky, and there are multiple Chucky's out in the universe. Okay? So the Chow's Play series... Many people are kind of confused about who is being involved in what. But this is what happened. The child's play remake, they're doing a remake, will not involve any of the creators or the actors. So there's no Brad Dourif. So think of this as being, remember when they remade Freddy Cougar and it was really dark and he was the child rapist molester? and it was really depressing, and it was also really bad. Think of that as this version. they are gonna have a whole new Chucky with a whole different cast and a whole new actor, which is really hard to imagine Chucky without Brad Doroff, but it's gonna be without Brad Doroff. But the Child's Play, the TV series, is going to have the creators, the writers, even Brad Doroff, maybe even his daughter in the whole show. So that's what we're getting
1: mm, a whole TV show
2: We're getting Charles it's called Charles play the TV series
1: And like uh, what what network is it?
2: They didn't release the network yet okay but I do know that MGM is doing Charles play the movie reboot which is someone else it's going to have a whole other people and so it. it's, it's so not connected it's not connected it's a reboot and it's not going to have any of the main characters including brad Dorff, which is who plays chucky and, it, and there's no word on if jennifer tilly is going to be in it interesting so this,
1: this whole trend of rebooting stuff from like the 80s and 90s i think it's going to continue for, for a
2: long yeah. time so. Yeah and those those Chucky things I think the Cult of Chucky came out last year came out last October So I think every probably every October around Halloween we're going to get another Chucky movie Which at this point it's just it just feels like it's unnecessary And I love Chucky so
1: Cool So is that everything for entertainment news
2: That is everything
1: cool so um let's get on to our main discussion now which is kind of like an evergreen topic that i put together just because we are in a drought you know in terms of video game news so i wanted to ask you guys um you know if you could pick one unreleased or cancelled game that you actually want to see um you know see the light of day basically which one would you pick so Um, I'm going to say a few examples of the types of games I'm talking about just to give you a good idea. So, you know, games like Scalebound, Deep Down, Rainbow Rainbow Six, Patriots, Mega Man Universe, Agent, you know, uh, Star Wars 1313, you know, any game that any major game that was announced and, you know, we were kind of interested in and then it just kind of trailed off and we heard nothing more of it or it was officially canceled so if there's one game you could bring back to see the light of day which game would you pick and what's your reasoning for it so um does anyone want to volunteer to go first because i know this might take some thinking about first I i
0: think i think i got a good one uh even though It's very hard to choose because there's a lot of games that we hear about that are amazing, especially in concept and even getting to see like footage of them and they just never come to fruition, which really sucks. But if I had to choose one, I would say it would be uh, Pandemic's uh, Star Wars Battlefront 3 because the way that that was being handled at the time. You know, coming off of Battlefront 2 and also coming off of some of the PSP games that were released that had bits and pieces of what Battlefront 3 was going to be at the time. Uh, It's a shame that a lot of that stuff didn't pan out and it had to do with the company losing money and also, I believe it was Pandemic's parent company losing faith in what Pandemic was doing at the time, which is why they shifted a lot of focus towards some of the other studios that were developing the PSP games and eventually closed down that studio specifically. It's a real damn shame because that was the first time we were going to get it from ground to air and air to ground combat or ground to space and space to ground combat uh, seamlessly on like that PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3 generation of consoles and uh, that would have been awesome to see and also we were going to get an original Star Wars story that was based around a lot of the troopers, a lot of stormtroopers, and, and some of the rebel troopers that were still going to be considered part of the canon, you know, telling a certain part of the story in between a couple of the episodes but with all that stuff everything just didn't come together all that right so it's a real damn shame but uh, again, it's so, there's so many other games that you could choose there. You could say 1313. You could say the Mega Man X reboot that was a first-person shooter that just didn't get completed. Like, there's so many.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there is a lot. Uh, if, so if you could give a second one, like, which one? Like, re- which one besides the Battlefront?
0: I, I would say then the Mega Man X reboot. The, the Mega Man X reboot from Capcom that was going to be done by the Metroid Prime team of all people uh it was going to be a first-person shooter it was going to totally reboot the the mega man x uh, mythology where it was planned out to have i think was like three or four games and it would follow some similar uh premises set up by the previous mega man x games but you're going to be playing a first-person shooter all the mavericks all the different robots were going to be completely uh, redone given different designs that made them look more edgier a little bit much more mechanical and, and a lot more a lot more grittier in nature, but still have the essence of what Mega Man X was, and but still being played through a first-person shooter lens. And I thought that was pretty cool. There's footage of it now you could find on YouTube with playable levels, which looks dope. It just looks really really cool. And some of the other story plot points that were leaked out, it was pretty damn awesome. But that just never came to fruition. I, I don't know whether it was Capcom that pulled the plug on that game, or it was uh, the MyChart Prime team that pulled the plug on that game. But something happened. Happens at that time frame? I think it was like more, I want to say a little bit more than 10 years ago, give or take, where, it, again, it was being worked on and then they just stopped developing it. And it's a real shame because they had something really cool going for themselves.
1: Cool. Um, what platform was that supposed to be on?
0: I think that was supposed to be PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. I could be wrong. And also GameCube at one point. I could be wrong on that. I would have to look it up. But I know it was right before the modern age, of which we're in right now. It was like right towards the end of like PlayStation 2, Xbox original GameCube era, leading into whatever the next generation was.
1: All right. That's cool. Those are, those are some good picks. And I think those are picks that not too many people would think about too. So uh, major props on that one. Uh, Dana, do you have any picks or do you want me to go first?
2: WWE No Mercy. (laughs) I do that. I don't care if if it doesn't count. Um, Also, Justice League. We were supposed to get Justice League. Remember that Superman game? If it is ever coming. Oh Um, yeah. I want want my Justice League. I want I want some Superman in there. Um, You guys are ready? I don't. Wasn't really that excited for Scalebound, but I know you guys mentioned that before. Um, Remember 14 BC. It was canceled just without any explanation in 2014, and it looked really, really great. I think you had to be a caveman, and you get to travel um, via time machine to these different locations. Yeah. So that seemed interesting. Um, well, we all know about the Star Wars 1313 that never got um, released. You said already, Mega Man, that would have been good as well. Also, um, remember Aliens Crucible? No. Anyone? Multiplayer RPG? Vaguely. Two 2000- thousand No, it was it was canceled in two thousand nine, although it was already kind of completed. And basically you would have been stranded inside of a space colony, infested with a, with the aliens, and your goal was just basically to, click, to kill all of them and to survive. No, no one remembers. That was that was that was something I was looking forward to. But yeah, that's gone. Um Gotham Guy by Gaslight, people don't remember that one. 2009 a lot of games got canceled in 2009 but uh yeah they canceled that one that was by a thq that used to be good but they canceled it i would have loved to play Gotham by gaslight nice victorian era where he battles jack the ripper maybe they can do that again because remember the movie came out that would have been a great companion to go with the movie but then again we didn't have that so depression set in um Let's see what else. That's. I think that's. That's mainly the like the only ones that I can think of. Mm. Remember, there was like a Isle version of Fallout. I never was really a Fallout person, but I thought that would have been interesting. It was a top-down turn-based RPG.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. You know? they, um, because I, I know they used to be top-down back in the day, the the original ones. But I don't know. Uh, I think it they
2: did. Say it again. Yeah. The 3D version? Oh, and also, I'm surprised nobody said this Silent Hills Remember oh, that yeah, one?
1: That, that was actually going to be my pick But yeah, uh, that's another one yeah. sure. The
2: fetus, we can talk about the fetus We didn't get a fetus, we just got a glimpse of a fetus mm-hmm. Which I do That uh, Here's the weird thing with Silent Hills I don't think that, yes, it was cancelled But I think that in some weird way They're reviving it with Death Stranding
1: Yeah, I, I think Somewhere uh there's probably some sort of concept that um kojima has kind of clung on to i mean of course he has norman Reedus as well but um i think he's kind of kept the concept slightly and just tweaked it maybe um but yeah silent hills is definitely going to be my pick and it's just because i wanted to see what kojima's vision was going to be for you know the silent hills series because um, I you know, I've briefly played some of the, the Silent Hill games in the past and stuff, but just to have Kojima's stamp on that, like I really wanted to see what it was gonna be like and what it was gonna be about and everything. And I was mad that they uh they took the P T R down the, I mean the P T down. You
2: yeah, know? that was just stupid. But yeah. That was yeah. cold blooded. But also many people don't remember there was a Sonic Extreme which was basically a Super Mario 64 version of Sonic Mm. where everything was open world and I thought it would have been really interesting to see that this was like a while ago now I don't care anymore because all the Sonic games aside from Sonic Mania just like no one really cares about them and they're really not that great but at that time I would have liked to see that and and also I think there was a volleyball game for Mario and we were supposed to get a Daredevil game in 2013. Really? it's called The Man Without Fear.
1: Oh, that would have been good. I, I love the uh, Man Without Fear comic. They should have did Yeah,
2: it. That, that would have been really, really, really wonderful. But uh, they killed the game. And it was near completion. And I can't remember when, 2003, I'm going to say. I'm not sure the year. But, yeah, they killed it. And plus, because, like, no one it was weird because they looked at the box office numbers It was like around the same time as when the movie came out, I believe. And it was just a lot of things that just influenced it being canceled. So they just didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to be like he had the heightened senses and you're basically kind of like a Spider-Man situation that you can do. And he was going to be like a detective all throughout New York city, but they just never released it. They canceled the game and that was really unfortunate so oh and, and i said superman the open world superman thing so other than that that's it and my no mercy <laughs>
1: yeah um another one i was gonna say as well was uh streets of rage 4 just because i was a huge streets of rage fan back in the day and they were working on uh streets rage 4 for, for like uh uh, what was it? A uh, Sega Saturn, I think. Um, and it was going to be like 3D and everything, 3D graphics. It was going to be like the next generational leap for for that series. And I I believe if they would have made that game, that series might have still been around to this day. Like they might have still been making Shoots Rage games, you know, to this day, if if, it, if they were able to master a 3D version of it. But that never came to fruition, unfortunately. So. You know, now Streets of Rage is just a nostalgic uh, series from the past to us, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, that that's definitely on my list because there are. um, If you look up online, there are concepts of what they were gonna do with that game, and unfortunately, they axed it. I don't know why, but um, but yeah, that that's pretty much it for me. Um, any more thoughts? Any more games come to
0: mind, JJ? Uh, I, off the top of my head, I mean, th- again, there's a lot that's out there. There's still games that are technically still being worked on that that aren't really canceled, even though at this point we kind of feel like they are canceled. Tekken Cross Street Fighter is probably one of the more recent memories. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: That I could actually pick out because that was a game that was announced and that was talked about. But I think because of the the, the reaction to Street Fighter Cross Tekken. And a lot of the other stuff that was going on at the time, I think that Namco or Bandai Namco really kind of just backed away from that slowly, even though they never officially canceled the game. It's like it comes up in conversation every once in a while, but I don't think that game's ever coming out.
1: Yeah, yeah that's another good pick. Uh, Deep Down as well is one that uh, we mentioned earlier. Um, yeah, I would have liked to have seen what that game was actually going to be because it seemed like it had potential, but... Uh, we've had no word about it in recent years, so I guess it's safe to assume uh, that they're, they're not working on it anymore. Or it's cancelled, or you know, I don't know. But, yeah, that, that's another game that's kind of just fallen by the wayside. Fortunately. But, um, that, that's pretty much all I've got, so um, unless you guys have anything else you want to bring up before we close out the show?
0: As far as news, nah. No, I'm good for all shoutouts right now.
1: All right, cool. So uh, that, that's pretty much it from us this week. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening to the show and everything. Uh, we're going to get straight to our shout-outs, and I'm going to shout all the Patreon people. So, Dana, what's your final thoughts or
2: shout-outs? Um, just uh, shout-outs to you guys, to the co-op.
1: Cool. And how about you, JJ?
0: Uh, I guess I could shout out everybody that's listening to the show right now. Shout out to you guys you know, for being on here. Shout out to everybody that's checking out all the new content we have now on the Coalition website. We got a lot of new reviews, a lot of new unboxings, a lot of new impressions, uh, and obviously other stuff. We got some more things coming very, very soon. I've been uh, working very hard behind the scenes to try to make a couple very big things happen as far as interviews. That uh, I don't want to spoil the surprise just yet because I want to make sure certain things get confirmed or whatnot, but there's some very, very big, big, big special guest i'm going to be having on tk spotlight very very soon especially if you're into youtube if you're into youtube gaming content and stuff uh you're going to be very uh, happy to see who i have as a guest coming at some point uh also big shout outs to a few companies of uh, vitrex uh and also echo gear because we have uh, new unboxing videos for the vitrex head uh, headset pro af right now as well as also the echo gear gaming mount i don't know if you guys got a chance to see that but uh, we have all those unboxings right now that are very pretty damn cool with a couple extra ones coming hopefully sometime later this week if not next week depending on when stuff arrives here or whatnot but a lot of good content that you guys should definitely check out both on the website on the youtube channel and everywhere else so thank you for checking out all the stuff thank you for sharing it around again we have about i think it's 2300 subscribers now here on the youtube channel which is pretty damn cool we're trying to get more hopefully if you guys can spread around the youtube channel tell people to subscribe if you can again we got constant content going up almost nearly every single day at this point and we want to make sure that you guys get a lot of great content you can enjoy so that's all i got for a shout out so hopefully you guys will continue to support us and continue to keep leaving us feedback and comments whenever you can
1: cool that's good can't wait to see what that interview is now you, you sparked my interest a little bit but um yeah big shouts to all of our patreon supporters mr m collins Shiron goretty stephen ferron mauricio aguilar him fergus mills miguel and antonio rogers we thank you all for your continued support of the coalition uh, we will be working on you know future giveaways and uh more content to put up on the patreon very soon so be on the lookout for more stuff um and i want to give a big shout out to you know all the other coalition staff out there you know tatiana Uh, tony blanco you know all those guys who are also doing good work for the coalition that aren't actually on the show you know max moller too you know big shouts to all those guys uh richard will be back next week uh big shouts to the whole throwdown crew and uh that's pretty much it from us so until next time peace out people